we appreciate the singing contractors. That's, uh, that was good. And notice they put the plumber in the middle. Did you notice that? <laughs> and that's the first time I've heard uh, Bernie sing bass in a long time. I appreciate that very much. That's good. Uh, today would be my mom's 101st birthday. Uh, she was living. Mama was uh, born March the 3rd, uh, 1923, and uh, 101 years old. And we sang her favorite song when she was three years old in Bearden, Arkansas, a little town outside of uh, Camden, Arkansas. She sang in a singing contest, and she sang, Of If It Me, Of If It Me. And uh, so we sang Love Lifted Me tonight because that goes right along with the theme of our, of our message tonight. I wanted to remind you of something, too. I don't think we reminded the folks today. This coming Saturday night, we want you to make sure you spring forward on your time also. Uh, I don't know how to notify people uh, from the church that weren't here today, but it gets people all tangled up with that time situation. I love it as a pastor. Because uh, you got people that uh, will come to church, and as soon as they, if they come to the morning service only, uh, they're coming and we're getting out. And uh, and then some people, uh, when they get the time tangled up too, on the other way, uh, they don't ever come to Sunday school, but all of a sudden they show up for Sunday school. And uh, so uh, we'll see what this one does to us. But uh, remember, we spring forward an hour uh, on Saturday night, so you'll be on time for Sunday school. And church on Sunday. We sang that song, Love Lifted Me. Would sing the chorus with me. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, Love lifted me. Sing it, Christ lifted me. Christ lifted me. Christ lifted me. When nothing else could help, Christ lifted me. Christ lifted me. Christ lifted me. When nothing else could help, Christ lifted me. Amen. Amen. Second John in your Bible. Second John, we're going to be looking over the next several Sunday nights on the, what I call big messages from little books. Big messages from little books. I... Uh, when I think about that and had the opportunity to read several times through this one book and 3 John also, which is just one chapter, uh, 2 John has 13 verses, 3 John 14 verses in it, small little books. They're like twin sisters almost, the, the two books are, and so it, it's kind of hard to preach one without preaching the other. Uh, but I... I think about uh, the Gospel of John or the writings of John who wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John in Revelation. When you preach on John and you preach expositorily through uh, the writings of John, uh, Revelation not as much, but the other books, uh, the small books, 1st, uh, 2nd, 3rd John and the Gospel of John, 
there's a kind of a cyclical approach to it, which is difficult to preach sometimes. Uh, Philippians is not that way. Uh, we picked a good book to start with, but it, it, uh, it's kind of like you love one another might be in chapter one, and it's also in chapter five, and it's in chapter 10, and it's a cyclical approach to, to trying to outline and preach on certain subjects of the scriptures in that particular book. That's the way John's writings are. It's a cyclical approach to it. And he repeats over and over again, as we talked about, the, the key to learning is repetition, repetition, and repetition. And so he does that over and over again. I love this little book, uh, and I call the message Truth and Love on the Same Track. Truth and Love on the Same Track. Notice it says in Second John... God, uh, the Apostle John, again, the writer of this book. And it says, the elder, his name is not mentioned here, the elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. So it's uh, who is writing to? It says to the elect lady. Boy, you uh, all you've got to do is look at commentaries and try to figure out who the elect lady is. The elect lady is either uh, a lady, a godly lady uh, that has godly children uh, who may be having a church meet in her own house. So it could be referring to the house church and the members of that church as well. There's all kinds of speculation on who that elect lady is. When I pastored in Irmo on Kennerly Road, the church that I pastored was Kennerly Road Baptist Church. And on that road, there was a church... Uh, on the right-hand side, as you left Broad River Road in Columbia, uh, going out toward the Northwest Family YMCA. Our church was across the street from that YMCA. And there was a church on the right that had the pastor's name as the elect lady so-and-so and had her name after that. Uh, it was a, a, an African-American church, and uh, I never stopped in to find out who the elect lady was because I wanted to see if it had anything to do with Second John. But... It did not, did not have anything to do with Second John. Uh, the elect lady, whoever it is, uh, many believe a, a godly lady uh, who he was writing to. And one of the things, if there was a, a house church meeting there, this, the writings of, of Second John and Third John are to keep from uh, opening the doors to false teachers. And they were, many would have, Hospitality. This lady herself may have been one of those who would have the, the visiting missionaries who were uh, traveling around, often many of them as false teachers trying to infiltrate inside the, the church and maybe in the home. By the fact, if it infiltrates the home, so goes the home, so goes the church, so goes the nation. And so our families are so important to, to guard the truth. The elder uh, is... John himself, and he's now not only a pastor of a church, but he is also older in age. So he's the elder, an older man, writing unto the elect lady and her children. He said, whom I love in the truth. Not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. So others know this lady. They also love her as well. He said, for the truth's sake, and that's what I made my first point, for the truth's sake. 
You and I ought to realize that uh, as we sang tonight about the Bible and uh, that we live by the truth. What is the truth? Jesus is the truth, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. This word is the truth, John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. This is the truth. And so we are to live by the truth. It says also here, they're doing this for the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us. How does it dwell in us? By the Spirit, John 14 and John 16, call the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. He's the Spirit of truth, indwells believers. He is our teacher. When we sang tonight, open my heart, illumine me, Spirit divine, I'm so thankful that uh, we homeschooled our children for 22 years, but we talked about wherever we went, we carried our teacher around with us. Ever since I've been saved 53 years, I've carried my teacher around with me. That's the Spirit of God living inside of me who opens my eyes to the truth of God's Word. He's my teacher. And so he says here, for the truth's sake which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever. Then grace, he begins it like the Apostle Paul did in his writings. Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. What's a blessing about that third verse is that he's teaching us about the importance of the deity of Christ. And we're going to see that next week and the second half of this book when he talks about the fact that if you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that you uh, are a deceiver and an antichrist, he said. So we're, we're going to look at the fact that that identifies the false teachers often as how, what they believe about the Lord Jesus Christ and whether he's God or not. Here he says about uh, the Lord Jesus, he said, this grace and mercy and peace comes from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he didn't put an Amos he said, from the Lord Jesus Christ. If we'd have said, and from Amos, we'd have said, why in the world is Amos in there? But when he said, and the Lord Jesus Christ, we know he's speaking of two that are the same. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. John chapter 10 and verse 30. He said, and he said, well, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so he's mentioning here, He's talking about God the Father. This is where this grace and mercy and peace comes from. And he says, and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father. He's identifying Jesus as the Son of God, but he's identifying him on the same plane as God the Father. And then he says, in truth and love. Those two run on the same track. Truth and love. This book of 2nd John and 3rd John as we notice are the shortest books in the New Testament and we've got other one chapter books like Jude and Philemon we'll be looking at those later this was written somewhere around uh, depends on what commentary you look at they're between 60 AD and 98 AD it was written by the apostle called the Apostle, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Sometimes he identified himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. 
At this time, he was the last remaining of the apostles. He's writing to contradict those and warn people about false teachers, as we'll see that next week. He's not only just the old man, he's a pastor. And he says that he loved this lady in the truth. And others loved her in the truth. And so he says, I'm writing to you for the truth's sake. On behalf of the truth, I'm writing you to stand for and defend the truth. Jude 3 says, earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. You and I are to stand for. The Bible stands. We talked about that tonight in our in singing. We're to stand for the truth of God's word. We're to defend the truth of God's word. We know that the Bible also says that in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15 that the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. It is it is it's what the foundation is, but it's also what guards the truth. And I'm thankful for a church to be here as a part of a church that stands upon the truth, the truth of God's word and guards it and defends it. He says, for the truth's sake. Now, Four times in these first introductory verses, he uses the word truth. And uh, so when you're preaching, you look at words that are repeated over and over again. He's going to repeat it one more time. He'll use the word truth one more time in this first six verses. But in the first three verses, he mentions the truth four different times. Christian love is grounded upon Christian truth. Someone has said we never increase the love between us by diminishing the truth. A lot of folks would say, well, love me anyway, but don't tell me the truth. We're told that in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15, we're supposed to speak the truth, but speak it in love. I was uh, counseling someone uh, recently who talked about how they talked to somebody else and, and they, had, they, had, they had pointed out, I mean, it was, a, it was a, an exhortation to them about the way somebody was living and they said, I just want you to know, I spoke the truth, but I don't know if I did it in love. These two things run together. He mentions their truth and love, and we'll underline that every time you see those two running on the same track, truth and love. I'm glad that tonight that this book teaches us that because I'm, t I'm afraid that sometimes in our our Past, we've not let truth and love run on the same track with each other. Warren Wiersbe said, truth without love is brutality. There can be harshness, and we could, we could stand for the truth, but do it without love, and he said, that's brutality. But he said, love without truth is hypocrisy. And whether it's our discipline at home with children, or whether it's in the church itself, Truth and love run on the same track. For truth without love is brutality. And love without truth is hypocrisy. I've been a part of organizations that at times there were people who knew about standing for the truth. But they didn't know how to do it in love. I've also been a part uh, before of people who would always tell the pastor, we've got to love them. I said, we've got to tell them the truth and love them. They said, we've got to love them. And they wanted to emphasize the love part of it without the truth. Both run together. 
speaking the truth and doing it in love. Lastly, we see in this chapter, verses 4 through 6, he says here, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth. That's a great verse in your own family as well. If you have children today who are, are walking in the truth, it is nothing but a blessing and it's nothing but the grace of God they are. There can be people, you can have a family of five children and you can have uh, three of them that are, are walking in the truth and two of them that are not and they were raised in the same home, same devotions, same everything about this, uh, treated the same and uh, they've made decisions to walk away. But praise the Lord for those that are walking in the truth. And evidently, John, he didn't know all of the children in her family, but he said, I found, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth. And the, the term used, I found there, uh, in the original actually has the idea that I've investigated and examined those children. And not only do they say they walk in the truth, they're showing it by their life. I found them. I, I have examined uh, of thy children and they're walking in the truth. So the first one is that we're walking in love. Now we're walking in truth. I'm very thankful that... Uh, for the scriptures, if you read the scriptures as a whole, you're going to be able to see those two truths over and over emphasized. Ken Ham in his book, Already Gone. Has any of you ever read that book? Uh, Ken Ham, yeah, I see several of you have. Already Gone. He wrote in there that when here's, here are parents that are concerned or grandparents that are concerned for their children or grandchildren and some who are not walking at all in love or walking in the truth, and he says that in reality, it's not something that happened overnight. It's something that even sitting in the pews and in youth groups, they have already gone. They already have departed. There's already no desire to obey God. And so it just shows itself up at 16, 17, or 18 years of age because, as Ken Ham says, they were really already gone. I thought of that in light of John's statement to this elect lady, this uh, godly lady. He says, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth. One of the interesting things about being a pastor, and this is a, it's, it's, it's a reality because I've, I've experienced it in a couple of different churches Sometimes if your children are walking in the truth, there are some people who kind of hope that your children fail. I've never wanted their children to fail, but they said, you know, we would kind of, it would do us a lot better if your children would kind of act like some of our children. Matter of fact, that's the way my children learned to do wrong as they hung around the deacon's children. And, and uh, uh, <laughs> But I wanted my children I prayed for, we prayed for them before they were, were born. Still pray for them now, even as adults, that they would walk in truth. They would walk in truth. And uh, you know what it takes? I told uh, yesterday was the, I just happened to mention to you, and I have pictures if you want to see it, the uh, one-year-old grand, 
uh, sons that I have, yesterday was their first birthday. And so we went to Clemson uh, on the way here and went to a birthday party. And uh, they had a celebration. They called it Taco About Twins. Talk About Twins. And uh, so uh, it was a taco bar, about 50 people or so, some people from their church and the community, uh, neighbors across the street, and uh, some of our family were there as well. And uh, they said, we just really want to thank people that have helped us with these twins that are now one year old. That's, that's, their, that's the number four, number five child in that family, six years old and under. And uh, so they said, uh, we just really want to thank everybody. And then they said, it takes a village to raise a child as a statement. And I said, can I tell you something? It takes a village even if you don't have any children. It takes a community of believers who are encouraging us to walk in truth and walking alongside us. And if we start to veer off, we need some brothers and sisters that will say, listen, you need to get back on track again. People who are saying, I, not only am I praying for you, but I'm going to speak to you in love because we're walking in the truth. It takes more than just a, a village to raise t twin boys that are one years of age. It takes a village of Christians, community, the church to be able to help people go forward for God. Walk in the truth. We walk in truth. We walk in love, the scriptures say. And in Colossians, it says that we're to walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. If we walk in the truth, here in this section, he's talking not just about knowing the truth, he's talking about living it in our daily lives. That's what that walk means. Obedience to the truth. That we live it in our daily lives. So we walk in truth, it means to obey the truth. Not just to know the truth, but to walk by obeying the truth. I'm very thankful, too, that uh, our children uh, are, are serving in their local churches where they are, but I know that that could change. I, I pray that it doesn't, because my, my prayer is not for only for, to pray for some grandchildren that we have that are not walking in the truth. I don't want to just emphasize praying for the ones that aren't. I'm praying for the ones that are, that they will keep walking in the truth. They will continue to walk in the truth. And he puts that in the present tense here. He talks about keep walking in the truth. In verse 4, I rejoice greatly that I found thy children walking the truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. A commandment from the Father. Again, I think that as we look at this text of Scripture, it, he's either referring to the godly lady and her children are possibly even some church members that are meeting inside her home. She, it's going to have a house big enough to be able to keep traveling missionaries because we're going to see about that next week. And there was a, a, a church possibly meeting in her home. As we think about uh, encouraging people in the truth, I, I read a story this week about uh, Charles Spurgeon. When he was young, he lived with his grandfather. And there was a man in, the, in his church, the grandfather was a pastor, and a man in that church that was frequenting the pub uh, in town quite often, and other people in the church knew all about it. And he was a church member of that local church. And around the table, uh, 
the grandfather of Charles Spurgeon would talk and he'd say, you know what? You're talking about breaking a pastor's heart. That guy named Rhodes, who that was his name, that guy named Rhodes that's in our church, uh, he's frequenting the pubs and he, he's a bad testimony and it's, it's, it's not something that, that needs to go on. It, it doesn't need to continue. And so young Charles Spurgeon heard this story over and over again. And he said, Grandpa, I'm going to kill Rhodes. He said, I, I'm not going to do anything really wrong, but I'm, I'm going to kill Rhodes. And so one day, it was known that Rhodes was inside of a pub, and Charles Spurgeon, I wouldn't necessarily recommend this approach, but he went inside that pub and he said, Sir, I just want you to know you're breaking my grandfather's heart the way you're living. You need to examine yourself. And it's, it's said that a few days later, that man came to the pastor's home and said, I want to confess my sin. I want to get right with God. I thought about that in light of what's going on in many, even Bible-believing churches tonight. There are people who say, well, let's, let's don't do anything. Let's just, let's just love them. Just love them. What they need is somebody that's willing to speak the truth to them in love. Be willing to confront them lovingly as Charles Spurgeon might not have done it lovingly as a young boy, but whatever he did, he killed Rhodes, but he didn't kill him literally. He killed what he was doing and the man got right with God. I want somebody, if I'm out here and I'm not living for God, could somebody come and kill me too? You come and speak the truth to me. It goes both ways. It's not just for a pastor or deacons or somebody in leadership in a church to speak to somebody. It goes for all of us. It's mutual with each one of us. We ought to be willing to say, look, if I'm not doing what's right, I want you to come to me and I'll come to you. Why? Because we love one another and we're going to be willing to speak the truth to one another in love. So he, he said, I killed Rhodes. In this three verses at four, five, and six, the word commandment is used five times. And these commandments are specific and they're binding. It's not just saying, well, I, I'm going to obey generally the commandments. Look at 1 John chapter 5, same writer, 1 John chapter 5, just a page back in my Bible. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. In other words, it's not something that we can't obey. By the grace of God, we can do what God asks us to do. And he said, if we really love God, we show God by obedience to his word. We show God that we love him by obedience to his word. Back in 2 John chapter, uh, just one chapter, verse 4, he says, and we have received a commandment from the Father, and now I beseech you, lady, this godly lady that he's writing to. And notice, uh, it's very interesting in this book, there's no personal names mentioned. There's three personal names mentioned in 3 John. It's written to Gaius, but uh, not to the elect lady. But there's no personal names mentioned here. But he says, I beseech you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which was from the beginning, that we love one another. Notice, not that you love one another, but that we, just like Nehemiah today, that we love one another. 
And this is love, that we walk after his commandments, that there is obedience to his commandments. It's really not new in time. It's new in, in emphasis. John 13, 34, and 35, a new commandment, not really new, taught in the Old Testament to love your neighbor as yourself. A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. So he says, I'm going to write unto you that we love one another. So we've got truth and love running on the same track. And this love that we walk after his commandments, that we're obedient to what he has told us to do. And this is the commandment that as we have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. That means that, we're, that our lives are going to show. Our lives are going to show that we love God. Our lives are going to show that we live by the truth of God's word. I read several examples this week and illustrations, and one was talking about a, a, a fella in a church that would stand up and he'd say, I believe the truth. I believe the truth, and, and, and I believe it, my, my friend, and you believe the truth. But really what shows whether we believe it is not whether we can hold our Bible up, but how we live tomorrow and the next day and the next day out here in the world. To see whether we obey the truth is not whether we can just hold the Bible up and say, I believe it. It's one thing to believe it in our head, and we ought to believe it in our head and our heart. It's another to walk in the truth. Walk in the truth and walk in love. Look at 1 John chapter 4, back just a page or two in your Bible. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20. If a man say, I love God and hate his brother, he's a liar. For he loveth not his brother whom he hath seen. How can he love God whom he hath not seen? 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 to 5. 1 John 2, 3 to 5. And Hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. We, we, we're going to be obedient to it. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. It's, it's how we live. It's our obedience that shows that we really love God. So I, I said we can not only put truth and love on the same track, we put truth, love, and obedience, all three of them, on the same track. John 14, verse 15, if ye love me, keep my commandments, he said. God commands not that we just believe, but that we obey. Obedience shows that we really believe. We sing that in a little song called Obedience is the very best way to show that we believe. It shows that we believe the truth. We really love God when we obey, show him that we by obedience and we also love one another. Tonight 2 John gives us a tremendous balance in scripture. Both of them are just as true. We're to Walk in truth, and we're to walk in love at the same time. And obedience to God shows that we really do believe what we say. Let's bow for prayer.